Welcome to another episode of the Alias Forensic Secure AF podcast, the podcast about all things information security. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Well, thank you all so much for being here for our remote podcast. Um, Let's see. I think this episode, we're just going to kind of talk about, you know, who you three are, um, since I know you've all kind of started this year, 2020. Um, So we'll just kind of talk about y'all, talk about Alias, kind of what you're doing, your history as sort of like a, like a meet the team soft introduction. So. Thanks, Teddy. Um, So I joined Alias uh, about four weeks ago. Um, I used to, I started my career at the Hertz Corporation. I went to Chesapeake Energy in 2006. From there, I moved on uh, to Access Midstream. Um, Access Midstream had a downturn, kind of like we're having today, and uh, moved to Hobby Lobby. I worked there for about 18 months. Um, And then uh, I was a director of cybersecurity at Enable Midstream um, for about three and a half years. And now I'm at Alias, Alias Forensics. Nice. Who's next? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in. So Andrew Lemon, I've been here for about five weeks now. I'm a senior engineer for the Alias team. Uh, My whole career started off with someone saying, oh, you know Unix, right? I said, no, I know Linux. And like, Unix, it's the same thing. Um, That was for Boeing about 10 years ago. Uh, From there, I moved on to Dell. And then from Dell, I went, I was a virtualization engineer there. I went into network engineering for McAfee and Taft. They're a law firm downtown. And then after that, I went to Sonic Drive-In to work on their cybersecurity team. And after about a year and a half there, I started with Alias, I guess, five weeks ago. Very nice. Nice. Right. Well, that leaves me. Um, I'm Jeff Bowie. I'm a security engineer here for Alias. Um, I've been, I started at BreakFix about 10 years ago. Uh, I worked for Dell as well. Um, and I went to uh, LA to work for a few other companies, um, and I started development there, which I've been I did for the past five years. Um, so I learned security and kind of user behavior throughout my work at Dell and in break fix environments. Um, and I always practiced security kind of in the wild. Um, and I was kind of looking for a place that would uh, appreciate my talents that I could put effort and put value towards. And Alias was the spot for me. Very well said. Yeah, I like how you described it as in the wild. <laughs> Um, So that kind of leads well into the next question I had. So how did you all kind of get into cybersecurity? Sure. So going way, way back uh, to 1994, um, started at the Hertz Corporation um, when we used to run tapes and uh, mount tapes and I I worked in the basement. I started using uh, HTML, and so it's been a long time since that, but um, um, in about 1999, I believe, uh, the Hertz Corporation starred uh, an official um, security team and um, just happened to be um, there for the opportunity, wasn't really familiar with security in general or what that meant, um, but actually got an opportunity to join this team and started learning from there. So it's been a long time. Nice. <laughs> so I spent uh, years and years trying to finally break into the security industry. That's uh, a very difficult industry to get into. 
Uh, my passion really started as a kid. Uh, I was really young. My dad brought home a DOS computer and he started showing me things like the stone virus and the Michelangelo virus. And I thought it was so cool <laughs> that someone had figured this stuff out and could break computers. So I started writing my own batch files and all the script kitty things you do up through your teenage years. And uh, from there, it was just drinking from a fire hose and learning everything I could. So having a passion for cybersecurity and figuring out what I can break, but mainly just understanding the full stack. Um, you can be a network engineer, you can be a virtualization engineer, but you only understand a small piece of that puzzle. So for me, the security side was a whole encompassing view from keyboard press to uh, text on a page, what happens. Wow. A lot better story than mine. <laughs> I mean, a lot better than mine. I just, I liked security because I enjoyed someone saying you can't do this on a computer and telling him otherwise pretty much. Wow. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of talk about what you all do. Oops. What you all do at Alias. Um, so what are some day in the life aspects of your job? Like what are some ways you get to successfully break and build things? Jeff, go ahead. Uh, so part of uh, a lot of our engagements, uh, we or for me anyways, um, and and our security side, we do pin testing. So we're able to test services and and uh, different companies' infrastructure. Um, we're get, we're able to get an exposure to that kind of environment in a way that other companies aren't, because we're we're pretty much given the keys of the kingdom and able to um, you know give them analysis and assessments on their environment. So it's it's uh it just it's a big deal being able to have that kind of exposure. Yeah, I'd add to that just from my experience in the last four weeks, uh, being from the corporate side of things and doing um, security, security strategy, protecting the environment. Uh, I've learned a lot in the last four weeks about how um, attackers really work and how um, they go after things that you don't really even think of. And there's information and stuff out there that you're posting that people can use very easily and then you have to remember that all of this is externally available right so your public ip space is just there and it's so easy um, for guys and engineers like this um, to find vulnerabilities and it's uh, just eye-opening for me it's been eye-opening I've really enjoyed the kind of breadth of the business. So as far as one day we're doing uh, vishing calls, we're calling and we're trying to convince a user to read a QR code, open it on their phone and put in their password. And then the next day we're breaking into a building, but having that freedom to uh, make your own tools, whether they be hardware, software, or, hey, I've got to run to Lowe's to buy eight feet of pipe for some reason. Uh, I think that's a really cool aspect. <laughs> or, or 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 film, right? The film. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Film trick is cool. <laughs> one of yes. the attacks that we were testing the other day uh, was an overdoor attack with film. So Wayne and I got to the site. We realized we didn't have any film. We tried to go under the door, through the door, beside the door, latch slip, and well, there was a gap on top of the door, so we went and picked up eight feet of thirty-five millimeter film and fed it over the door to attack attack the latch. Yeah. That's incredible. Right. <laughs> so that's a typical day, right? So there's always the the uh, regular meetings and conversations that you have with customers on risk assessments and collecting information and such. But uh, experience I had was 
with one client, uh, we identified there was a vulnerability on their firewall. And um, we worked through that, figured out that, um, that they were okay. Um, but 30 minutes after that call, um, Jeff, uh, Lemon and I were sitting in um, our Starlight room and Jeff coded right there on the fly um, of how to identify these vulnerabilities on Palo Alto firewalls in, in, in an hour, right? So <laughs> it was just amazing. But, but that's kind of a, what happens. We, we work engagements, um, but we're also just identifying and, and finding new ways to find vulnerabilities and um, attack companies, really. And a lot of people, where it's like a lot of companies, it's like a steam room or like an engine room style where they're trying to find these vulnerabilities. But in our like in our work space, it's like it's very laid back and very relaxed and there's not that much of a stress or like that, that much of a, you know, like you have to find something. It's just it's we have the time and we have the flexibility to be able to to find things naturally in a way that's more of a balance to, to our lives. Mm -hmm. I just said uh, we don't always get the keys to the kingdom. But we eventually do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at first, maybe, but yeah, he eventually yeah, right, right, right. But yeah, that's, <laughs> some that's point. Job. And and we're hired to do that, and and yeah. um, it's it's just an amazing job. It's, yeah. Every day is something new. Yeah, I love getting to see you guys. At least when I were when we weren't working remote. Um, whenever y'all would find something or whatever, Jeff would like run down the hallway and just be like, hey, check this out. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. help it. It's, it's addictive. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I've learned um, not to let you guys plug stuff into my computer and just cool Good. things like that. <laughs> Security awareness around these guys is very important. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a rule though, like you can't hack me. Just I feel like please don't hack me. <laughs> you know, one one case that I that comes to mind is um we had we were trying to or we had a, a, a person present us with a police officer that they needed to place at a scene and it was uh, it had to do with somebody's life uh being taken. And we were able to through video forensic analysis basically locate this individual in the video and a unique tattoo on their arm in a way that you couldn't dispute that that was the individual in question. So like little things like that, little wins like that, that you have that you can maybe be giving someone's family a, you know, like a, uh, uh, a play to have that's, that's backed up by forensic proof in court. Those kind of things are really, really rewarding for me personally. Yeah, me too. So a recent experience, um, just the last few weeks, um, there was a client that, um, was infected with ransomware and um, called us out of the blue, right? Hadn't worked with the customer before, but they, they needed our help. And we were on site uh, within hours. We identified uh, the entry point. We also uh, contained um, the virus and the ransomware, and then were able to uh, collect server and information and eventually image that digitally or forensically and um, in, uh, decrypt that data and provide it back to the customer. Um, and uh, working through that scenario, which was like you know, you know, real time, um, high emotions going between uh, the company and lawyers and both sides. It was just a, a, an interesting um, event to be a part of. And 
that was really, I mean, that's our, you know, I've only been here four weeks, but that that's the day-to-day -day stuff like we were talking about and incidents like that, which is really exciting. But at the same time, we're, we're helping people, which, uh, you know, attracted me to Alias to begin with, um, about being part of an industry in Oklahoma that is uh, small, right, hasn't really um, um, been established yet, but, but we're being a part of that and being able to uh, help customers in, in situations like that has been a really fulfilling experience. Right, and kind of touching on that, Wayne, is like, usually with ransomware, you don't have any kind of recovery beyond, say, a, a person obtaining keys for you or being able to, to decrypt it through some like release tool. But right. it's like, we, we were able to carve data from unallocated space and data from shadow copies, et cetera, and actually present them a lot of their data um, that they wanted even after a ransomware attack. So it's just, yeah. it's been kind of eye-opening to me a little bit in, in terms of being able to see that, you know, in most cases, there is no one one size fits all when it comes, comes to ransomware. Like you can recover a lot of data in these cases. So yeah. it, just, it was very, for me, that whole scenario was, was kind of eye-opening as well to see kind of how people get in, but also that there, it isn't lost hope. There are people like us that can kind of get your data back. It just, it just takes some special magic, you know? That's right. When we started kicking around that idea of like carving volume shadow copies, uh, I was kind of apprehensive about it because if you look in the industry, it's not something you regularly see. And I thought, well, surely people smarter than us have thought of this and done this. Uh, right, right. But in practice, we found that we were able to carve the shadow copies out and rebuild the catalogs, um, uncharacteristic of normal ransomware attacks. Right. And that's awesome. I know that's one thing I've really enjoyed getting to watch in my little, what, little over a year since being an alias is all the different ways we've been able to help different companies and different people. And I mean, that's kind of like the foundation of alias is we're in Oklahoma City. It's not exactly like a tech hotspot. Right. Uh, so that's the whole point. Like we wanted to be here to help grow the industry and help people around us and in the city with whatever tech needs they might have. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to watch. It is. Mm -hmm. Very important, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, Andrew, you mentioned vishing earlier. And I know that was something I wanted to come back to because I love the concept of vishing. Do you want to talk <laughs> about it? <laughs> yeah, so vishing, um, most people are aware of it, but it's like phishing, but for with phones. Um, so, for me, I was really nervous on the phone at first. Uh, and then I just kind of went into that tech mode of like that troubleshooting, but it's uh, how do you get someone to do something? And it's falling back on those years of experience in a call center. Uh, I was just helping this very nice lady uh, reset her email password and get everything ported to Office 365. Um, so once I could disassociate that, it was a, a fun exercise to be able to get someone's password. But to walk through that step and to hack the human firewall uh, is really fun. Uh, that's the one side of the, the one thing that drew me to security was I have an actual adversary now. Uh, <laughs> the network, like, yeah, computers break and parts break, but the real interesting thing about cybersecurity is having an adversary. But even better than that is being able to test employees. And I found myself actually rooting for a lot of people, like, oh, Jenny in accounting was super mean to me, like, go, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> So like you call like the help desk and you try and act as an employee and they actually follow their company procedure. You're like, way to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the scariest thing about vishing is like, 
I would easily fall victim to fishing. It depends on when you catch me. So if I'm very busy, I'm probably going to fall. Like I could easily fall victim. I could easily just be frustrated and just be like, yeah, whatever it is, like, sure, here's the info you need. You know, if someone acts like a doctor or whatever. So it just the crazy thing about fishing is like it, it doesn't matter how much you know. It just depends on when people catch you. And it does matter a little bit how you know. But it's like it just everybody can be a victim. It just doesn't yeah. matter. Nobody that's impenetrable to it. And it's just it's just scary, man. Yeah, I know before working here, like thinking back now, knowing everything I know working here, it's just it's startling to think about how many times I could have easily been social engineered without even realizing it. Yeah. You know, like I'm consistently like I was constantly holding the door open for people with like lock and key access. I'm like, yeah, man, just come on in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And all it takes is a USB drive in the server, and boom, that person's made millions. Yeah, it's, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, the implications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. But We've all probably probably have been victim of it, and we're not even aware of it. Why don't you yeah. on Have I Been Owned website that, uh, and that lets you search for uh, breach credentials? I have email addresses and passwords that are that are compromised on there. We had even people from our office. I won't name names, but like we're all on there in some places. You know, like it just, and so it's like at some point, it doesn't matter how good our opsec can be if somebody's storing our data improperly. It doesn't matter. So it just it just yeah, nobody's impervious to this stuff. Yeah, just reminds you. Always, I mean, it sounds stupid. Change your password, right? But it's so important. I mean, there's. Uh, you know, Jeff can testify to how many databases and uh, information is out there uh, that's already been leaked, and it's just sitting there for people to grab and and just test and try to penetrate your accounts. Yeah. yeah, and credential stuffing is a major thing that we also employ. Is is just you know if you have a a password and you're required to change it, a lot of times human behavior just says, oh, I'll make it a slight variation versus right. like a truly unique, different password. So just, I mean, I even do that too. I'll just add like an exclamation point on the end of a old password, <laughs> boom, I've got a new password. But then like there's actually tools that can assume that user behavior and make those passwords like like a user would. So it's just, I don't know, man, it's just, if it's oh. on a computer, don't put it on there if you don't want anybody else to find out. Okay. Really I've always known from a corporate side that all these things exist, right? But I never, uh, have been privy to how they work and seen them work. Uh, so that view, and it's just, it's amazing. So on the corporate side, it's like, okay, I'm doing all the right things, right? I've got endpoint protection, firewalls, we got policies, procedures. But when you see it in real life, it it's so different because it's so easy and there's so much information out there that uh, companies can get attacked so easy, so easy. It's, it's just a, eye-opening experience being in the US. Yeah. And even for, like for me, even on the, the side of kind of being in the wild and then seeing the corporate side working here, just like seeing products like Silence and like Cisco's yeah. Umbrella, whatever else, you know, kind of protection people use. It's just, it, it's wild, even heuristics and stuff like the CM uh, software. It's just, I didn't realize from a just uh, a single solo hacker out in the, out in the world that how much uh, I mean, I did, but I didn't. I didn't have the exposure to it of how much people were protecting and how much actual intelligence is behind this stuff. It's it's really yeah. it's really a it's it's really a major industry. Just the logging of data, not even security, but just the logging of security events is a major there's, industry. There's great products out there for sure, but um, 
in the end, it, it, it's it's just one one attempt, right? Just one easy attempt or right. one pushing attack that, that can compromise you. Yeah, that was uh, on the transition from the blue side to the red side and figuring out how attacks work. It was interesting to see that while you could have all the compensating controls in place, how attack chains work. So it could start with uh, mouse jacking a USB dongle, feeding it PowerShell version one to bypass any AMSI, and then oh. leveraging all of that, and then boom, you have a shell. Yeah. And it's like you've circumvented all those technologies. Yeah. The corporate side will say like, well, yeah, we've got, we use Bluetooth this, or well, mouse dongles, they're on a threat, they're not in our threat model. And then all of a sudden, leveraging those tiny little things, you get the keys of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I remember you showed me you, uh, um, you, I forgot if you called it a hobby or what, but it was a script that you had that encrypted this, encrypted that, encrypted this, decrypted this. And, and well, then his massive PowerShell Frankenstein. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All the input protections and tools, right? That mm. and, it, and so he, I mean, not easy. I'm not saying that at all, but it's uh, just again eye-opening how things like that work, and that tools that are sold today just don't even see that or, or look for stuff like that or can't today. By the time a tool picks it up and registers a definition or a heuristic or an IOC. We're already changing our tactic, you know. Right. So it's, yeah. it's just like that's old news, man. Right, right, yeah. It's just amazing, yeah. And it's crazy how like the devil's in the details. I mean, you can have like your full system ready, watching your network, but if there's you know one thing that could be exploited, it's gonna be found and it's gonna be taken advantage of. Right, right, right. It's kind of like leaking water. If you have a leak and water's above you, it's gonna find its way through the tiniest little crack. That's you know? right. Mm. Yep, absolutely. So it's just always good to stay vigilant, right? And have people like us come and you know do pen testing, risk assessments. I mean, and also the cost of remediation is sometimes ten times higher than a basic vulnerability or risk assessment. So if you have someone like us come in, and it's like it may seem like, oh man, I don't want to spend money, but you're actually saving money on the back end, especially if you have have high confidentiality or high critical data. It just makes sense to protect yourself. Yeah. yeah, I'm not trying to sell anything, honestly. I'm just saying from being on both sides, um, pen testing and risk assessments are, are very valuable. Um, I would say that on the uh, on the corporate side as well. I, I knew it was valuable, uh, but uh, I, I would just uh, just reiterate that, that seeing it from this side, man. Yeah, I always like to talk about it's like the Titanic, you know, they had like the whole double hole system, they're ready to go. So right. it was low probability that anything was going to happen, but something did. So it's like that whole low probability, high impact. Right. I have uh, a good example of that is actually we we were doing a test for a t television station recently. And the uh, scan that we just that we ran on this television sta station's equipment caused it to interrupt broadcast. And it was just a basic standard scan that's just our standard kind of scan that's like kind of like a precursory scan and we do a lot of other details after that but it was basically just a basic recursory scan broke their system so it's you you don't you don't want to be broadcasting something very important and have some attacker disrupt your broadcast you know by a simple scan so it's just you never know what's out there and what can be compromised yeah just being outdated on your software hardware um you know uh, some of these things just like a 
just initial scans, easy, uh, low impact scans. Uh, they're vulnerable to um, things like overloading the memory or overloading uh, what it can handle. And it's just old hardware, right? That just can't accept it. So, yep. And it takes your network down. And that's just something you should be doing anyway, is doing vulnerability scans on a regular basis. And I always use the example of like, what if, you know, what if somebody has a child or a family member that brings a, a bring your own device up to that network and then just, they just run a program that, that the network can't handle. It should, it should be more resilient against that. So it's just, you don't know if, you know, one little, little tiny uh, uh, Wi-Fi device can bring down a whole entire corporate network, you know, that brought that people depend on. And so it's pretty, pretty crazy. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining me for this remote podcast episode. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect.